Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew's Gospel. You know we're working through uh, Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. And we come today to chapter 2 and we're going to read the first 12 verses. So if you have a Bible with you, please do turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. This is God's word. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Amen. We thank God that he blesses us when we read his truth. Please do have your Bibles open there at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at this passage together, but before we do that, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our great God, we thank you once again for the scriptures. We thank you that every story speaks, that every law, every proverb, every bit of poetry. We thank you especially for this passage that you have blessed us to hear today. We ask, O God, that you would give us understanding, that we would be able to see what it is you are teaching us. And not only would we understand it, But might we believe it in our hearts and might our lives be changed by your truth. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. (coughs) Well, it is going to be just over one week's time from now, whenever King Charles III will be giving his first Christmas address to the nation. I wonder how he's going to get on with that. Of course, we'll know in a week's time. In our house, we always try to watch the Queen's speech. And uh, I'm sure we'll do the same thing for our new king. I always loved 
how consistent the Queen was in her personal recognition of Jesus as her King. One of the most memorable statements she made for me as a Christian anyway was back in 2011. She gave a very clear articulation of the gospel. This is what the Queen said. Finding hope in adversity is one of the themes of Christmas. Jesus was born into a world full of fear. The angels came to frighten shepherds with hope in their voices. Fear not, they urged. We bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. The Queen went on to say, Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that sometimes we need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness and our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. I suppose in a way the Queen is echoing words of the theologian D.A. Carson. Carson has written, If God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death. And he sent us a saviour. I wonder if King Charles will be able to make as clear a statement of the gospel as his mother did. Or as clear a statement of personal faith as when she said in 2015, billions of people follow Christ's teaching and find him the guiding light for their lives. I am one of them. It was always comforting to know that on the throne of our country, we had a, a queen who served the king of kings as her lord and saviour. I think we should pray for King Charles to follow in his mother as she followed Jesus. But either way, Jesus remains the king of kings. And that's what our passage today is all about. Jesus is the king. If we were to continue on in Matthew's gospel uh, after the Advent season, then we would realise that that's one of Matthew's big themes, the kingship of Jesus. And we've even seen it in the past couple of weeks that Matthew has highlighted time and again that Jesus is born in the line of David, the line of kings. And so Jesus is a king. In fact, Jesus is the king. And how we react to that truth will shape our lives for all eternity. In our passage today, we have two different reactions to the news that a king has been born. We have the Magi, the, the wise men coming from the east. And then there is this man, Herod. 
I want us to look at each one in turn and see what we can learn from their reaction to the birth of King Jesus. First, I want to think about Herod. Herod was a powerful man. He's often referred to as Herod the Great. He was the local king in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' birth. So you see that the Jewish people were under the authority of Rome at the time Jesus was born. But the Romans were smart and they allowed local rulers to govern certain cities and states under them. And that way they were able to maintain a lot of control in the provinces. So Herod was the Jewish king of Jerusalem, even though he wasn't born in the line of David. And the Jewish people never really accepted him as their king. History records for us that he was a cruel and violent man. Indeed, we have the historical record before us today, don't we? In the later verses of Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, we read about his cruelty in the slaughter of the innocents. But I think something of his tyranny is also spoken to us in the passage we have before us today. You see what the Bible says in in verse 3 of chapter 2? Herod is troubled to hear of this birth of one called the king of Jews. And the Bible tells us that when Herod was troubled, all Jerusalem was troubled with him. When a cruel and tyrannical ruler gets in a mood, it troubles the people because they don't know how he will react and they begin to fear. Herod himself acts with fear and with great suspicion. Herod does not want anyone to challenge his rule. And so he seeks to find out where the Christ is to be born. And with a forked tongue, he tells the wise men, let me know where the child is so that I can go and worship him too. Of course, later in the chapter, as I've already said, we find out that Herod had no intention of worshipping Jesus. He wanted to know where he was so that he could destroy Jesus before he became a threat. You see, for Herod... It wasn't that he didn't believe that Jesus was the true king. It was that he was threatened by that truth. Herod did believe that Jesus was the king. But he couldn't accept that Jesus was his king. He had even looked to the scriptures. He went to the Hebrew Bible. He he learned who Jesus was. The chief priests and the scribes were able to confirm it. The, The Messiah, the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. It wasn't that he didn't believe it. He just didn't like it. He didn't like the truth. And so he fought against the truth. There are many people in our day who are like that. There's maybe even some people here today who are like that. Maybe you have no problem believing that Jesus is the king. Maybe you accept that he is the king of kings who created the world and and who rules and reigns over all things. But you still can't and won't accept that he is king over your life. Herod didn't want to lose any of his power or authority. He was the ruler, not only of Jerusalem, but of his own life. And he liked it that way. No one to tell him what to do. Of course, he... He couldn't take on the might of Rome 
But he had pretty much full control within his own little corner of the empire. And he was happy with that. He didn't want to be threatened by some baby born as a fulfillment of the scriptures. And so it is for many people today. They just can't accept Jesus as king over their lives. And the reason for that is because they do not want to give up control. It is quite easy to have Jesus as saviour. Forgiveness of sins sounds great. It's wonderful to have Jesus as a friend. But having Jesus as a king, as your king, is another matter. Because that means we no longer get to have authority over our own lives. We don't get to live by our own rules. We have to submit to the authority of Jesus and seek to live life by his rules in his kingdom. I want to challenge today the idea that that is a harsh thing for Jesus to ask of us. There are people who who might see the law of God as restrictive, as oppressive. Why is God telling us how to live our lives? But that's the wrong way to think about it. People think that it's not freedom to follow God's rules. But in truth, God's laws are given for our good. They teach us how to live our best lives now and forever. I want you to think about a train. A train is built to run on the tracks. And the train might think to itself, you know, these tracks are too restrictive. It would be more freeing for me to go off the tracks. But we all know what would happen if a train went off the tracks. It would end in disaster. Another way to think about this is with Lego or the adult version of Lego, which is, of course, Ikea furniture. I'm sure some of the boys and girls might get some Lego for Christmas. So let's say you have a Lego car. There are instructions in the box and you could ignore those instructions. But I don't think you would get too far. If you want to have the same car as the maker intended for you to have, then you need to follow the maker's instructions. So it is with our lives. God made us and he knows how our lives work best. (coughs) Friends, we are simply not clever enough. We are not smart enough to know the unintended consequences of ignoring God's law in our lives. We cannot tell how our sins will impact on other people. But God's law gives us a way that will mean the best for ourselves and for those around us. This whole world would work best if we were all to follow the law of God as it's found in the Ten Commandments. God's law was given for our good and our flourishing as God's creation. God's law is not meant to be oppressive or restrictive. In fact, it is freeing. It's freeing to know the best way to live out life in this world. Herod knew who Jesus was, but he didn't want to bow down to the rule of Jesus. Herod knew Jesus was the king, but he wouldn't accept Jesus as his king. I wonder about you today. 
Have you accepted Jesus as your king? Will you bow before him today and worship? Not only as the one who saves us from our sins, but who shows us how to live our best life now and forever. That's what the wise men were willing to do. And we would be wise to follow their example. Submitting to Jesus, bowing before him in worship, because there is true and lasting joy in knowing Jesus as your Lord and King. The wise men are the focus of the story. And just think about what they did in this passage. We usually refer to them as magi. Magi, it's the same word we use for magician. We're not thinking of Paul Daniels here, or maybe the young ones among us. You might have seen somebody like Joel M on TikTok or Blue Peter. That's not the kind of magician we're talking about. These are ancient men of learning and knowledge. Wise men is a really good translation. They were clearly wealthy. They spent their time studying scrolls, looking at the stars and seeking to find answers. When they saw this star in the east, they knew it was the sign that a king had been born. And they weren't content just to know that a king had been born somewhere. They knew that there was something special about this particular king. They needed to see him. They needed to worship him. And so they set off on their journey to seek the king. Friends, I know that it's kind of a cheesy line. It's cheesy, but wise men still seek Jesus today. Wise men and wise women still seek Jesus today. And friends, you don't need to look to the stars. God has revealed the king to you in the Bible. You would be foolish to ignore that. You do not need to make a long journey. All you need to do is bow your heart to him today. Cry out in worship to him and submit to him as king of your life. Stop trying to live by your own rules. Instead, come to Jesus. It needs to be pointed out who it was the wise men found. They went to the palace in Jerusalem where one would expect to find a king but that's not where the king was. Jesus came as king over all the world, but he came to a humble family, into relative poverty. And so these wise men, when they found him, weren't offering gifts and worship because they, they wanted some kind of political alliance. Well, that's maybe what we would expect. One group of men offering allegiance to a king in return for his protection and favour. But they didn't receive any immediate blessings or favour in return. Jesus couldn't give that to them. He was only a child, no more than two years old. They didn't worship him because he was a king. They worshipped him because he is the king. And here we see another fulfilment of the promise of God to Abraham. A picture of the verses we read as our call to worship. Here are the nations, non-Jews coming to Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, bowing before him in worship, praise and adoration. The shepherds in our nativity story remind us that Jesus came to the lowest of the low. There is no one outside of the reach of God in the sense that we are too poor or weak 
or sinful. The wise men show us that Jesus came to bless the nations, to bless the whole world. There's no one outside of the reach of God because of where you came from or what you look like or what you do. Jesus is king for all the people of the world. The wise men knew who they were coming to worship. Not just a king, but the king. And their gifts to King Jesus show us that they really and truly knew who he was. The gold was the thing that you gave to a king. That's what kings received. No more kingly gift than that. The frankincense. Well, that's an indication that they knew he was divine. They knew he was God. Incense like that was closely tied to the temple and to worship. The symbolism of the burning incense was not only the sweet smell, but the fact that the smoke which rose up from the incense came from the earth up to heaven. Taking the the smell of worship right from the people up to God. Think of the smoke rising from a chimney on a still day. We've seen that over the past week, haven't we? The smoke goes straight up to heaven. And so that's the symbolism of the frankincense. Jesus is to be worshipped as king and as God. Well, myrrh. Myrrh is symbolic of the fact that Jesus was born to die. Myrrh was a spice or perfume used to anoint a body after death to remove the smell of death. When the wise men gifted Jesus with myrrh, They were prophesying the truth that he came not only to live as king, but to die. And so in pretty much full knowledge of who Jesus is and what he came to do, (coughs) excuse me, the wise men sought this child. They found this child and they bowed down before the child as king of kings. Friends, I'm going to finish there. Because I don't think there's much more I need to say today. We can be like Herod, who saw Jesus as a threat. Or can we, we can be like the wise men. Seek Jesus while he may be found. Offer him our hearts in worship. Bow before him in submission to his rule and his will. And in doing so, we will know everlasting peace and comfort and joy. Let me pray for us.